I'd like to welcome to the podcast uh, a New York City fitness icon and creator of the system by Stacy. Stacy Berman. Yes. Thank you for having me. We're very excited to have you on the show. Are we? <laughs> yeah. And as you know, the spiritual hustle is all about peering through the veil to understand how the universe works and yes. all in it. And our goal is really to enable everyone to become the supreme power and authority in their own life. Said another way, you are the savior you've been waiting for, right? God yes. is going to descend from the sky. It's up to you to like take control of your life. Um, and that's why I'm really excited to talk to you because I know you've done several spiritual investigations and I would like to understand those and how you utilize those to create successful businesses. Cool. Cool. So. Tell me, was that a question? I don't know. That was a lead in. And then that's when you start saying, okay, from a spiritual perspective, I got interested in spirituality. Okay. Thank you for that prompt. No problem. We'll use, we'll use finger cues next time. <laughs> okay. And go. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I've always been on a bit of a spiritual path. I think, um, uh, Anthony, you know, but like I've come from a, I, I've come from a family that is somewhat uh, abusive, and I think that the positive end of that is that I was never properly socialized, um, and by properly I mean I was never socialized to well society's norms. Right. Um, so I remember as a little kid um, thinking and believing that I would, if I wish for something hard enough and strong enough that I could actually make it happen. And I never unlearned that. So I think my whole life I was on this path of spiritual exploration. And, um, you know, that led me to, that led me, I mean, I did a lot of experimentation in, in drugs and I think in, in certain ways, depending on your perspective on drug intake, um, you could, I looked at it as a kind of pulling a temporary way to pull down the veil and see what was beyond my normal consciousness. Um, and at the same time, I, um, you know, I started exploring different, uh, type of spiritual practices like, um, meditation and I found Baba who was my first uh, my first teacher he's a Siddha master of the Tamil uh, tradition so an Indian guru basically and we studied consciousness studies we did mantras we did meditation and visualization um, and I found in this these kind of explorations I found <clears throat> some level of inner peace for sure. Um, but I found real practical tools to help myself heal. Right. Um, and that's not in the non-tangible realm. And what I mean by that is I actually experienced different physical issues that were completely resolved strict specifically through, um, meditative practices or medicine journeys and things like that. So, I, uh, there was something real that changed, you know, when you talk about kind of spirituality, you can feel it as the end user, but can you really measure it? That's a harder thing to measure. But I, 
I had experiences where I, I suffered from crazy um, lower back pain for probably seven or eight years. And in one medicine journey, I had this realization and my lower back stopped hurting. It was like I felt an electric shock or wave go through my body and my, my body stopped hurting and my lower back stopped hurting. So again, these are like real measurable things. It's not right. just this feeling that I was getting. Um, and I've had a number of those experiences. So I was like, you know, in my young mind, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, and so that kind of kept me uh, seeking and looking for what was actually happening. And eventually that led me to uh, get my doctorate in natural medicine um, because I wanted to understand at a physiological level, at a cellular level, at an atomic level, what is going on? Why do these apparent spiritual, psychological epiphanies or realizations have such a real impact on my physical body? Um, so I went back to school and I got my uh, doctorate. So, okay, I, that's actually a really interesting topic. Like, how does like meditation, for example, have impact on the physical body? Yeah. How's that work? Well, I mean, meditation in itself, it, so anything that, so have you guys heard of the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system? Yes. Right? Sympathetic nervous system is the a fight or flight, stress response. Parasympathetic is the rest and digest. So, of course, we always are in this kind of equilibrium. It, you're not always one or the other. You kind of, there's this interplay of both. Um, one of the primary nerves that's related to the parasympathetic nervous system is the vagus nerve, which is a nerve that's connected to almost every single organ in the body. So meditation at a pretty simple level um, increases vagal tone. So it increases the functioning of the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest nervous system. And when your body's in that state, that's where it heals itself. So that's a, a very kind of um, basic, more of a medical perspective on meditation. Um, but I also find that in meditation, what happens is you go into um, deeper states of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? Not hypnosis, but uh, you go into meditative states and you shut off the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain for executive functioning. It's where you're doing all your planning and all that stuff. Right. And you're able to access the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is the part of the brain that 95% um, of your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors actually stem from. Um, so when you when you meditate, you're able to shut off the, the prefrontal cortex, access the subconscious mind, and start revealing yourself to yourself, basically. And once you get to those root self-issues, let's say, you could start um, cancel, clear, deleting them, and then re-uploading more positive, um, more positive uh, well, more positive neural, or neural networks that are associated with more positive thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Cool. Have, have you ever heard of um, heart math? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, that's all basically talking about the same thing in a, in a different kind of perspective. Heart math talks about uh, aligning the heart with the mind. 
Right. And once you do that, then you are in a meditative state or an alpha state, and then you have access to the subconscious, right? Right. But it, the heart plays a big part in it. It's more like, I like to say that um, the future of mankind, if we are to survive, we have to learn to live from the heart as opposed to what we do now living from the head, right? And yeah. doing that naturally aligns everything within you and puts you in contact with that deeper wisdom that's inside of us. Was that covered in your course too? Yeah, we talked a lot about the heart. Actually, the heart has its own nervous system that is able to make decisions independently of the brain. It has its own so, brain cells, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I, and I forgot the exact statistic, but I, I read it also on heart math, and they were talking about that the electromagnetic field of the heart is something like 50 times greater in electric ma magnitude than the brain, and something like 6,000 times in um, magnetic capacity. So, right. in terms of energetic fields, the heart is actually much larger than the brains. And yes. as, as we know, we don't stop at our skin, even though that's the that's where we think we stop. Um, our energetic field extends way beyond our body. So in a very real way, we are interacting with all the things and people and plants and animals around us um, without our awareness. So when we can start accessing the heart in addition to the brain, I think we have an overall um, a bigger effect on everything and everyone. If that, does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that's actually a good lead into um, a Forbes article that was done on you in April of this year. Uh, the title is After Hitting $1 Million in Solo Fitness Business, an Iconic Entrepreneur Embarks on a Second Act. So, um, Wait, can you just say that part again? The iconic part? The iconic part? <laughs> An iconic entrepreneur embarks on a second act. Yes. <laughs> so I'm assuming that the success you had with um, boot camp in Central Park and different parks through New York City uh, and the system by Stacy and everything else you've done, you've, you've leaned on these techniques and meditative techniques and everything you've learned from your spiritual teachers. Yeah. And maybe you can talk a little bit about how you utilize those techniques to become successful. So, yeah, so I think back to, to start with boot camp. I think um, boot camp itself was an all year outdoor fitness class that I did in Central Park. So we were outside in nature uh, every day, um, no matter what the conditions. And I think that although it was a quote unquote fitness class, that um, being outside like I said, being one with nature in a, in a kind of way, if you could say Central Park is nature. That's what we, that's what we have in New York City. Um, I think that even though I didn't specifically talk about the spiritual aspect of anything really in boot camp, uh, I think people picked that up in a way. And I ha I've had people tell me that, that they feel some sort of inner strength that is beyond like what they can physically do from participating in class. Um, so I think in a way it was, those ideas were transmitted um, without me specifically having to say it. Okay. Um, and then I went on, in terms of my professional trajectory, I went on to uh, create the system, which is a line of organic whey protein powders designed to help you love yourself from the inside out. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the whole idea with that is that food is the foundation for a sound mind in a sound body. And I think that um, when I look at the different spiritual communities or the communities that don't necessarily believe in spiritual practices, I think that they both are kind of missing some key components. And the key components are that we, the physical body is the vehicle with which we experience this world. So of course you have to keep your body in some level of health and, and fitness and, and movement and food are the primary ways that you can do that. Right. Um, and I think, again, if you look at a lot of the spiritual communities, they all live in their heads and maybe their hearts, but like they don't actually uh, take care of their bodies. Um, and on the other hand, the people who just live in their bodies kind of shit on spirituality. And I think that um, if you look at overall health, it's not just exercise, it's not just food, but it's also your thoughts and um, feelings. And it's also your belief system. That's not to say you have to believe in God or whatever universe or whatever you want to say, but these components all actually the way that I relate it to people who are not sold on the spiritual idea is like, do you feel like you have a purpose? Do you feel um, like when you wake up, you look forward to doing something? And I think that for people who are not spiritually minded, that that, that somehow that could make sense to them. Um, so, um, actually I read Anthony, you and I talked about it, blues, the blue zones, yeah. um, uh, which is a book about, um, areas in the world where people live to over a hundred, um, at a higher rate than anywhere else in the world. And one of the primary factors to, to that type of longevity is that, um, they felt like they had a purpose in life. So again, it's not just like, believing in God or whatever you want to say. It's just like, do you feel like there's a reason for you to wake up in the morning? Right. And the other big um, contributing factor to that is that they felt like they had control over their life. Right. Right. And it's, and it's hard to have control over your life unless you have a purpose. Unless right. something drives you. Right. Because if you don't, then you're being driven by other people, which in and of itself means you have no control. Right. 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 Yeah. So, what was the question? <laughs> around about way of, what? What am I talking about here? <laughs> We're talking about spirituality and how you utilize it to become a successful entrepreneur. Actually, uh, uh, let me restate uh, the title: How you became uh, an iconic entrepreneur who who's embarking on your second act. That's it. Want me to say it one more time? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, so, you know, it's funny because I think that people, well, the name of your podcast is a spiritual hustle. So I'm sure everybody who's listening will understand what I'm going to say, but I, um, I don't tell a lot of people this, but I've had a number of readings with different people who can see energy. Um, I've also done a lot of, I mean, I was a, uh, apprentice to a native American, uh, to a shaman of the native American Hopi tradition for a number of years. So we've done a lot of medicine journeys and in these spiritual explorations, let's say there have been a lot of, um, confirmations for me. So it's like, I had a belief about myself and what I was meant to be doing. And then different things have been revealed to me, which confirmed 
what I had already believed. And I think that had I not had those confirmations, um, I may have maybe not given up, um, but I may have not been as confident as I am in pursuing these types of things, even when shit gets hairy, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> there are moments where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And, you know, if I let that, what the fuck am I doing take over, then I would probably be paralyzed and like jump out of a window. Um, but I always have to kind of go back to um, my spiritual experiences and remember what all of these experiences have shown me. And also the fact that readings from different people that have no idea of each other and possibly don't even know me that well have said the same thing. So for however it's working, they're picking up on things that I've seen. They're picking up on things that other people have seen. And again, I'm not quite sure exactly how they do it, but it, for me, it confirms that I'm on the right path and that I should keep going. Does that cool. make sense? Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And, and I think going back to what um, the purpose of this podcast is, the goal is um, to be, and enable everyone to become the supreme authority in their life. Um, I, ideally, it'd be nice, and, and I can relate to this too, because a lot of times I need to look for answers outside. But yeah. if I could go inward and find that answer myself and be strong in, in the conviction of what that answer is. Right. That's what I want. Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess the question is, and part of what we're trying to do with these podcasts by talking to people that's had, that have had experiences like yourself is how do you do that? Like going forward, like if you have, um, you mentioned that last week or a couple of weeks ago, you had some challenges with the new business, right? Uh, you had a meltdown, which we all have periodically, <laughs> right? Yeah. So have that meltdown, like in that state where all you, you're feeling all the stress, how do you go inward to find those answers? Like, do you have yeah. how to do that? Yeah, I, I horribly failed at it. <laughs> 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 um, I could say don't drink massive amounts of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> Number one. Don't watch don't porn. Do don't watch don't porn. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Although that helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think in the, in the, some of the most challenging times and beliefs in yourself, like, you know, it, it's easy to reach for um, the things that are easy, like alcohol, like jerking off, like, you know, <laughs> getting high. I mean, we've all done it. Um, but... And I mean, like I said, you know, a few weeks ago, I had a meltdown and there was one day where I was like, I don't know what the fuck, I don't know what the fuck, like, can I just pause everything and I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Um, And I think that, you know, part of it is I think having people close to like talk you off the ledge, (laughs) Um, I think you know, there is a sense of, I personally believe that we are all divine. And if we are all divine, then like we are all encompassing. And so then along that trajectory, like then I just need to go inward, right? Because we're all part of the same whole. But I think also there's a, there's a huge component to having your 
tribe and like having them kind of support you through it when you don't believe in yourself, even, even though those moments may be just temporary, that those, those people are really important. Um, and I think that's for me, a lesson I've had to learn. I think I, I have a very small group of uh, friends and I don't let so many people too close to me. It's just a defense mechanism. And um, I've seen now more, much more recently in my life, how important those, uh, those connections and networks are. Um, and I also think that there is a part of when you're, when you're on your path, there is a time where it's okay to get the confirmation from other people. So if that's like doing readings with people or whatever it is, and, and eventually you get to a time where the answers you'll keep getting repeatedly are it's already in you. You already know the answer. And I think like what that's a, that's a normal path. And I think that it's okay to be in that first space where you constantly need the confirmation. And then it's okay to like, once you kept, keep getting those signs that it's already in you to start listening to yourself instead of seeking outwards. I mean, I feel like I've done, I've done medicine journey for, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 ish years. And by medicine, like I, I said earlier, I used to experiment with drugs, but that was more recreational. Um, but I, I've done more of the guided, you know, guided meditation and medicine journeys for about, I don't know, 12, 13 years, something like that. And um, the last four years, um, the message that I keep getting is, you don't have to do this anymore. It's already in you. But of course, I like to get high, so. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but the message keeps coming back the same. You don't have to do this anymore. So um, again, I think, and I think there's between the time of seeking confirmation outwardly and getting the message that it's already in you, there's going to be overlap where you're like, all right, it's already in me, but I need confirmation. I got to do this again. And yeah. that's, you know, that transition period is totally fine too. You know, it's just where you're at. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I guess I had this envision in my mind or this goal that you go inward, you meditate and the, an answer comes from inside you and, and you have a strong conviction and you move forward. Most of the time, you're right, it doesn't work like that. Most of the time you ask for questions and then you go into the world and people will say things to you right. and that's the confirmation, right? Right, exactly. Right. exactly. So that's, a, that's an important lesson for me because I force <laughs> my, my higher self to give me messages in the way I want to, right? My higher self is going, fuck you, I'm going to give it the way it's most appropriate. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I think, so the subconscious mind, when you're talking about subconscious mind, the subconscious mind doesn't speak English, right? It's not like, Anthony, symbols. this is what you should do. It, it speaks in symbols, right? So, um, so the subconscious mind is not going to be like, do X, Y, and Z. It's going to be like, okay, retard, I got to get this person to come over you and have a conversation with you to, to kind of get those, uh, to get, give you the confirmation you need. Right. Funny. I, uh, I was that, that day that I was having a meltdown, um, I was reading a book and the book said, you know, fall down seven times, get up eight times. And I was like, all right, fuck you. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I was walking down a street and I saw that graffitied on a picture. And I was like, fuck you twice. Okay, I got it. But again, it's like, you know, the, the universe, 
the subconscious mind, whatever you want to call it, is going to speak to you in a language that it knows will get your attention. Right. So, um, yeah, so don't be married to the way it's going to have the conversation with you. Just fucking pay attention. Pay attention. That's right. Be cautious and pay fucking attention. Right. right. <laughs> well, well, Justin, you've done a lot of studying lately on archetypes, right? And that's really how the subconscious works, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I guess... Uh, um, I've been sitting here bursting at the seams because you guys kind of touched on like, like four or five different subjects that I would have preferred to get in, get into a lot deeper. Like even starting with the the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system, all the way to talking about the subconscious. And now we're on symbols, and it's just like it's like oh my god, I just I, I want to say some stuff, but <laughs> so I was like I was like ah, it's fine. You know, it's, it's very interesting still. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess um, the the cool thing about talking about this, and I guess the, the thing that um, I would want to ask you more about, just because um, you, you have a su subtler mind and you are an icon and you are adult enough to um, be okay with talking about having a meltdown uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And something that a lot of people do is when somebody is an icon, they look at them as if they're like gods. and um, um, that's almost like where that, that term comes from. And um, so it is interesting and, and kind of um, relieving for, for people to hear that someone as successful as you, as successful as, as anyone, has days where, where they freak out and, um, and really have to like re-focus um, themselves and, and, and rethink things because um, a lot of people just don't have any of the success and have those freak out moments. And that's... Uh, that's, that's a scary position to be in too. So it's, it's um, I guess it's like reassuring that, it, that it's like everyone's still human here. And, um, and uh, it's just uh, interesting to see how you, someone like you would work through that and stuff. Um, so, yeah. So it's interesting. I think what, when you were just talking, I think one of the things, like if you look at the larger context of everything, um, I'm a big believer in when life gives you challenging situations, those challenging situations are directly related to the lessons that you have to learn in life. Um, so one of the kind of techniques that I use when I'm having those moments, I'm like, all right, what is it I'm supposed to learn here? Um, which sometimes is easier to do than other times. Um, but I think if I look at it, you know, I, I was, as I was saying earlier, my um, childhood was a little bit fucked up. And um, when I was a kid, I learned to distrust the people that were closest to me. So one mm -hmm. of my major lessons in life has been trust, learning to trust. And probably two years ago, I was doing this meditation and I realized in myself that, oh my God, that trust, the trust is not, I don't trust people necessarily, although that was a component of it, that I don't trust myself and I don't trust the universe because that's how I had to protect myself when I was a kid, um, which was an epiphany for me because um, like philosophically, I trust the universe. But if I really looked at it, my heart was blocked off to, to it, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so when I was having the meltdown a few weeks ago, the question that came up for me was, beloved one, because that's how I talk to myself. <laughs> 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 beloved one. 
<laughs> do you trust? And so again, I think when I was having the meltdown, I was in a state of distrust. I was like, is this going to work? I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know where this is going to happen. What the fuck? Uh, and I had to just like stop and breathe and be like, okay, I don't know where it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I know that I've had enough signs that are gearing me in this direction that are pushing me in this direction. Do I trust? Do I trust that this is how it's supposed to be? Um, and I struggle with that. I mean, like, yes, I do. The end result, I trust. <laughs> but this fucking path is very uncomfortable. And um, uh, if I could kind of go around it, I totally would. But again, it's like, you know, looking at situations where you are having these meltdowns um, and learning from them. Like, what is the main thing that I'm supposed to take out of this? And that helps you shift your perspective on it and, and kind of creates a bit, a bit more gratitude for the uncomfortable mm. moments in your life. Well, gra gratitude is, is critical, right? And, and I'd, I'd like to get your viewpoint on, on gra uh, gratitude and how important it is to the whole process. My, my experience of gratitude that, that really brought it home was uh, I was meditating. I hired um, a life coach. And I went out to his place in Nantucket like eight years ago. And it was supposed to be like a two-day um, workshop, just me and him, to craft a life for myself, right? And one of the exercises he did, and he was very spiritual too, he took, took me through the visualization where I saw myself sitting there and I, and I felt this energy around me. And this energy was blocking other things from coming to me, right? And, and no one other than myself, put that there through my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, right? It blocked me off, kind of like you were saying, your heart's closed and this energy stops things from coming in, right? And outside this wall of energy, I could see all these beings, whether you call them angels, whatever, that wanted to help, but they couldn't, they couldn't get to me, right? And then I started feeling gratitude, and as soon as I started feeling gratitude, this, in, this energy dissipated, and then these other beings could come in and help me. And that's when I, that was my epiphany. That's when I realized that gratitude allows the universe to come in and assist you with what you want. Like, right. Do you hold it in that same regard? I do. I do. I think <clears throat> from a, from a like kind of more psychological, uh, neurological perspective, um, when you can call in gratitude, gratitude is a positive, positively based emotion. Right. Your mind at positive is 30% more productive than at negative, neutral, or stressed. So just in that capacity, if you could call in positive emotions, you'll actually get way more shit done. Right. Um, so in, in that way, I think it's, uh, you know, gratitude is something we should all strive for. Um, in a more spiritual sense, I would say that, yeah, gratitude it feels like an opening of your heart. And when you experience an opening of your heart, what we were talking about earlier in terms of the electromagnetic field of the heart, if you open that energy field, you're going to, those things that resonate with that opened energy field would be attracted to you. Um, sure. So whether you call it angels or abundance or, or what God or whatever it is, um, I, I do believe that gratitude is an uh, important component to success. Yeah, and it's also like what you said, um, 
a little bit earlier and I'm paraphrasing, I guess, but um, about everything that happens in your life is, is kind of what you need to, in order to grow. And it, it, it could be like, so it, it's almost like if you're not being grateful about what's happening in your life, no matter how crappy it, uh, it could perceive to be, it, it's trying to be there to help you. So right. it's like, how could you not be grateful um, right. for this right. universal thing that is causing you to, uh, to, to make you better? And, right. and that's its ultimate uh, one of its goals. And uh, um, it just makes a, it, it makes it easier for you to just be like, uh, yeah, I mean, things may not look that great right now, but I'm still very grateful for the things that are still in my life, like my family. And, uh, you know, you can always find little things like I, I made that light, that traffic light here. And that's how I was able to get here on, at nine instead of nine oh five. And, you know. Little <laughs> and I think, though, you know, I think it's always it, it's always important to remember that, you know, this stuff is not it's not easy. And it's not like I there are moments where I will kick and scream and be like, fuck you, universe, <laughs> you know, and like, it's OK to feel those things. Um, but you have to balance it out with those moments of, OK. I get it. I get what you're trying to show me. And like, that's an, that's a normal kind of, uh, trajectory of, of, of the feelings. You're not always going to be positive. You're not always going to be grateful. Um, there are going to be times where you're going to be like, fuck you. Um, but again, you kind of balance it out. And I think that the more you can remind yourself to be grateful, um, probably the easier the transitions are. And also the other thing is to like actually feeling grateful, not just saying that you're grateful for right. it. Those are two completely different things. Like a thought, if the thought happens, but it doesn't release a feeling. So in terms of uh, physiology, like the thought is kind of a, a signal from your nervous system and when your body picks up that thought, it will release biochemicals, which we experience as feelings. And then your brain will pick up those um, biochemicals and reinforce that thought. So it becomes a, a cycle of thinking, feeling, thinking, feeling. So if you're just having the thought, you're missing part of the physiological reaction of it. And you want mind, body, heart in line with everything else. And that's going to be the, like, that's going to have the largest impact um, in your life. Does that make sense? That makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to let's go into that a little bit, a little bit deeper. Cause, um, sometimes like, I, I guess when you're first starting out with meditating or any of this stuff, really, it, it comes off as, um, as forced, like, um, like they're, they tell you, you know, think positive and you're, you're having the thoughts and the emotions are not coming with you, uh, are com not coming with that because you don't believe in it. And, um, um, and, there's like a, a transition point where I, I remember when I was meditating and I, I started out meditating just because somebody said, Hey, this will help you focus better. And it wasn't about any spirituality or anything. And I was just doing it just uh, to improve my focus and nothing was ever happening in it. But I, I just started doing it daily, five, 10 minutes a day. And then, uh, and then one day something happened and, and then it became kind of uh, suddenly there was a lot more, to it than, than just sitting there and trying to think about, or just trying to focus on my breath. Um, and I, I guess uh, what I'm trying to explain is, is there is a, a little bit of a transition where you have to, especially if somebody, if you're not in tune with your emotions starting out, that um, you, you have to kind of force yourself, force the habit and, and trust and, and have faith in the process yeah. um, before those things start um, occurring. Right. And um, 
for a while there, you'll, you'll be doing it and you'll have no idea why you're doing it, but you're just doing it and you have to, maybe you have uh, some the muse thingy on your head and you're, you're trying to focus on the birds chirping and stuff. But um, uh, I, I don't know, I guess, I, 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 I guess a, if you're hoping that, that those emotions are just gonna instantly come, they probably will be there, but they'll be too subtle for you to even uh, experience them at first. Um, right. So it's, uh, there's a transition pattern there. Right, exactly. I mean, I think the, the, um, the examples that I give people um, in terms of the thinking, feeling uh, cycle is like when you have an argument with someone and you leave the argument, but you're still thinking about it and you still get angry about it, like that's a similar cycle you could use. That's exactly what happens when the thought releases a biochemical, we feel a certain thing, and then our thoughts reflect the biochemicals that are being released in our body. Or my, my more, more favorite example is when you're horny and you're thinking about someone and like <laughs> you, keep getting, you keep thinking about them and getting aroused. So that's, again, the thinking-feeling cycle, and, and it's all interconnected. Um, and I think most people have experienced that, those two kind of... Um, yeah, so you... Use the uh, analogy of the, the emotions that you're, you're more in tune with naturally. Exactly, exactly so. right. So if you've experienced those two different scenarios, you have definitely tapped into how your thought can affect your physiology and release biochemicals and then reinforce that thought. And it's the same thing, but like you were saying, it's, it's when you're in a meditative space, initially, it's those, that cycle is probably a bit more subtle um but eventually you can get to that heightened state through meditation yeah it's a matter of keeping trusting in the process right and i guess the question is how do you uh, i've been talking to people um at um at the place uh contracting that uh about meditation right and a lot of them go i, I just don't get it so i try to explain to them the benefits of meditation and trying to explain to them the need to like um, stick with it for a period of time until you can actually feel it and getting them to to do that is is, is a challenge I, I think you i think people have to have this desire inside them for change it's almost like you in my cases I, I looked at the, the outside world i had done everything i thought i wanted to do and still there was a sense of lack inside right and that lack drove me to find something else. And that, that sense of there being more out there is what kept me meditating through those long periods of time when nothing was happening, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, so I, what I'm grappling with right now is when I'm trying to explain meditation to people and the benefits of it and why they should keep it going for a long period of time, they all listen to me and um, mentally understand, but I can see in their eyes they're not going to do it, right? Because there's no burning desire in them for change or for expanding their life experience to something bigger, to becoming bigger, right? Uh, a lot of people are just satisfied where, where they are in life. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I, I feel that if, if that's the case, then it's really hard to push through it and do the meditation if you ha have never had experience with it before. I mean, I guess my first question to you is, what are you explaining to them? <laughs> like, what are you actually telling them? <laughs> um, 
Yes. I'm, expl I'm explaining the, some of the benefits that come from meditation. Uh, and I'm focusing more on the physical benefits. Okay, of, I was going to say, are aliens involved in your No, no. <laughs> Justin told me not to go down that road. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like Dude, don't, don't tell him about it, the elephant. The alien. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no I'm just trying to contact you. <laughs> when you can shield yourself from it. I just focused on the physical benefits. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Yes. Uh, that's always that's always something you have to bring people back to earth when they're about to do an intro to meditation it's like it's like yeah i'm going to teach them mantras i'm going to show them how they're going to pray to indian gods and, and you're like <laughs> like you know, you know uh they, 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 that's it doesn't make me uncomfortable anymore but i remember when people were saying that and me just being like i don't want to pray to a god <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't want him to steal my energy uh that's thing about but um yeah that's that's a good question um um, was that a question? <laughs> oh, the question I... Yeah, your question. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I think beyond, I mean, the, it's just like any exercise. Like, you can't, if you want to get in shape, you can't expect to go to the gym once and be in shape. It has to be consistent and regular um, and prolonged. Um, but the other part of that is, you know, you also have to accept that people are where they are and and that's where they're going to be, you know, right. and you, uh, you can't change that. I mean, I fucking tried to change my parents. <laughs> it just <laughs> never worked. Um, so I think just kind of accepting where they're at. And I think uh, Israel, um, one of my teachers, she, she's one of the things she's always kind of instilled in me when I work with people is they have to come to you. Yeah. If, and if they don't come to you, then anything that you give them or offer them is going to be lost on there because they're not ready for it. They're not, they're not asking for it. So, um, yeah, so I would not talk about aliens <laughs> and also unless they're asking you, you probably, uh, you probably should just Don't stay out of it. Yeah. Just stay out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty good advice. So, um, one of the things we uh, talk about with um, guests on the podcast is what sort of daily rituals do they have to keep them centered and, and moving forward, not only in, in their spiritual practice, but in their work um, and their career. So I'd be interested in finding out like what you do on a regular, on a daily basis to keep that focus. I think for me, one of the, one of the practices that I do regularly, no matter what is I have a physical practice and mm -hmm that's exercise. It's not yoga. I wish I liked yoga. I just don't. Um, but, um, so I do like body weight training and I do Muay Thai now. And before that I did uh, capoeira. So always some sort of, um, uh, physical practice. Uh, for me, the physical practice has to be intense enough that my thinking mind shuts down and I'm only in my body and why that's important for me. And I think why it's probably important for a lot of people is um, because, you know, when we say mind body, that's a duality. That's not actually true, right? You can't have your mind without your body. You can't have your mind without your, um, your body without your mind. So there is no duality. So when when shit, let's say, is going haywire in your mind, um, or even when you can't figure something out, um, there is the rest of your ingrained nervous system that is throughout, that runs throughout your body 
that you can access, but you have to access it in a way that it understands, right? So again, the body, the subconscious mind is not speaking English. Um, so you have to move it in order to get those things to come out. And right. that, that could be like, you know, you're trying to figure out how to do something and you can't get it to come out. Um, so like a pit, an epiphany kind of thing, yeah. or it could also be stress, um, or it could also be, you know, trauma from your childhood, your experiences and memories and processes, let's say, get, get caught in your nervous system and movement is a really, really, really great way to release them, um, both positive and, and negative. So it releases stress, but it also brings up to consciousness things that are um, deep in your subconscious. Um, so in a very real way, uh, work, movement could be similar to getting into a deep meditative space where you're allowing your subconscious mind to speak to you. Does that yeah. make sense? Completely. And I've heard um, that uh, the body actually somehow stores memories too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're again, you're you, the subconscious mind. So you have the brain, the the stomach brain, the enteric brain. You have the heart brain. You have the actual brain, brain, and um, all of these are in constant dynamic communication with each other. And it's not just a one way street; it's a two way street. Right. Um, and so through movement, um, you could release whatever memories are stored in, in these different parts of the body. I think yeah. um, the, the, where there's going to be a growing need, and I, I think that it, it, you're, you're in like a, a perfect spot for it, is this, um, uh, there's no really, uh, way to describe it other than like a bridge walker. And, and, and it's like, it's kind of like what you've been describing multiple times. So I want to kind of dive into that a little bit deeper is that you have the bodybuilders, the weightlifters, and then you have the spiritual people. And it's like, it's like they're almost at odds with each other. And it's like the silliest thing ever, because if you just worked on both at the same time, you would exponentially increase both. Um, and it, it's something that it, it always, it, it never made sense to me. It's like, you have these bodybuilders, they work out every piece of their, their body. They take every type of pill to make their organs better, except for their brain. And, and they, they didn't like it. And it's like, they're, they're not even interested in it because it's like, it's, it's inside there. It's hidden away and it's not aesthetic and then you know then on the opposite side you have people that, that could be like twigs and uh, and they're just not using the, their natural battery to to shoot up so much more energy up into the up into those areas and it's like um uh something that's very interesting to me and it sounds like something that that um you're taking on and it, I, I think it's it's a very successful place to be in yeah um, yeah, you know, so part of my uh, part of my uh, dissertation research was based off of this idea of body armor. Um, so there are six primary types of body armor, and what I mean by that is, look when you look at a person, you could tell where their primary stress is held, and it could be stress from. I mean, primarily, it's stress from childhood um, that has been kind of wired into the nervous system. So what happens is you have these experiences during different developmental times of your life, specifically from like in utero to seven years old, which is the, the time where... Formative. Where, what? Formative years, kind of. Yeah, formative years, exactly. So that's, that's pretty much basically when the subconscious mind is almost completely developed. Of course, it gets affected as you get older, but that's where primarily the bulk of it is, um, is developed. So you have these experiences during this um, developmental time 
and it affects your nervous system and then the nervous system affects the musculature of the body when the when these experiences become kind of chronic and become holding patterns then it affects the musculature of the body and you could look at a person and tell where where most of their psychological and developmental issues are just again based on their body type so um so you can then kind of reverse engineer that and use the body itself as a way to release those uh chronic stresses and emotional baggage um which is really fascinating um it's fascinating to me because when i started studying this stuff um you know i'm, I'm from new york so there's always a bit of uh i'm always a skeptic at first i'm like i'll believe it when I experience it or see it or whatever. And now after I've worked with, you know, literally hundreds of, of people, um, it's always completely fucking spot on. So I'm just like, all right, I'll, I'll take it for what it is. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, but I mean, even like with, for example, if you do, if you exercise after a high intensity bout of exercise, your brain is primed for learning. Um, your brain is primed to do meditation. So at, at a very like simple level, you can enhance whatever it is that you kind of lean towards. If you lean towards meditation or spirituality, like it's going to be enhanced if you include a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's, um, it's like, a, I, I don't really bench press anymore, but when I did, it, it, it was something that, that was always enlightening because, um, I believed that I could only bench um, 195 and then I, one day you'd just be like, well, let's do 200 and then you go and you, and you do it and you're like, I had no idea that I had that much strength. And um, those little like barriers that you break out of it, and then you, you can use that in, in a more um, like mental, like learning state and you, and you go like, wow, I had no idea that I, I could possibly figure out how to build a website, how to, how to start a company and stuff like that. Um, and then, but like, it, I wouldn't have thought that I could do that if I wasn't at the gym every day, blowing my mind that I, that I'm stronger than I ever thought I was. Yeah. Um, and just kind of working off those, those two seemingly opposing forces that are actually just the same thing. Um, uh, ultimately very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's like, um, back to my, my bootcamp experience. I think that's exactly what, what I was uh, talking about earlier that, you know, when people come and I'm like, all right, you're going to run, a quarter of a mile or you're going to do 10 push-ups and they didn't think that they could and then they do it and then they're like all right well what else can i do that i didn't think i yeah. could do beyond just the physical realm so yeah, exactly, yeah. completely yeah very interesting cool. yeah. so stacy um i believe you have a book coming out soon right can you tell us what's going to be in the book Yes, the name of the book is Love Yourself Naked, The Science Behind Self-Perception, Spirituality, and Weight Loss. And um, the idea for the book came out of my boot camp experience. So I, I did boot camp for 15, 16 years, and I worked with probably 70 to 80% women. And what I found was that no matter what the woman looked like on the outside, whether she was like conventionally gorgeous or let's say 200 pounds overweight or whatever, it doesn't matter what her physical appearance was like. Right. She, she always had this negative internal dialogue going on um, about the way she looked. Um, so 
that was like kind of the experience in boot camp. And then, of course, as I mentioned, throughout boot camp, I was, you know, always on this spiritual trajectory. I was working with Baba. I was working with Israel. I was doing my own thing, um, doing research into that stuff, into spiritual practices and the science behind spiritual practices. And so when I went back to school for my dissertation, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to research, that the idea hit me, what if I look at how these negative self-perceptions affect your physical body, um, specifically metabolism and weight loss, and could shifting your perspective on yourself enhance weight loss? Well, shift it from negative to positive. Could that enhance weight loss? Um, so that's basically what my dissertation research was on and um, what the upcoming book is going to be about a uh, uh, spoiler alert yes self-perception does affect weight loss <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a spoil to me but uh, that, wasn't. I, I like that, that was like uh that, that's always the, the the something that's that's great about when you become a coach and stuff and um um i was a um i don't like really talking about this stuff but i, I was a pickup coach back in in las vegas i taught guys how to pick up girls and i never thought that i was very attractive until I started coaching these guys and they'd, they'd be like, what can you teach me, Justin? Like, you can't teach me anything. You're, you're so attractive that like, they're, they're, it's not, you're not gaming anybody. You're just, you're, you're just being yourself. And, and the realization is like, wait, I'm attractive. And then, it, then you're just like, then you look at them every time you look in the mirror and you're, you're like, man, I'm beautiful. And it's like, <laughs> I just needed somebody to tell me that one day. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and you know, like whether, whether it's true or not, it's, it's how I perceive myself now. And it just makes life so much easier. It's right. like I, I can put myself into any situation and not have to worry about about those little things that ultimately don't matter. And um, it's just interesting to um, um, to delve into that. I look forward to reading this book when it comes out. Thank you. <laughs> when, when is the book coming out? So the book will probably be out mid two thousand nineteen. So you'll have to have me on again when when it comes out, and we can go go all into the science of it. We can definitely do that. Nice. <laughs> I have one chapter in my book where I promote um, masturbation and orgasm for women. <laughs> <laughs> That's mostly be just because I want people to masturbate, but uh, also there's some science behind it. <laughs> we, could, we could talk about that. That's something that, um, that the, Anthony made the joke about the pornography. That was actually an, ins I think that was an inside joke about me. Was, um, most internet marketers, uh, um, I only really talk about to male internet marketers, but many of them uh, become addicted to porn because they work for at home with nobody there. And it's just the one click away. And um, um, it was something that I had to work through. And then uh, um, you learn about- uh, when, you, when you say work through, <laughs> what does that process look like? <laughs> well, I can't show you a, a video of it. I'll tell you that much. Um, uh, but, um, uh, Montauk Chia made a, uh, a book called um, um, something about the orgasm, the multi-orgasmic man. Yeah. And, um, and you actually learn how to control your orgasm. And, they, and, and um, there's a lot of stuff going because that, that spot's like, it's right on your, your sacrum chakra and it's a, it's a huge power source uh, of energy. And um, if you can wield it, um, it, it, you don't need caffeine anymore. It, it, you just Sorry, I'm, I'm picturing you with your penis like a sword wielding it. <laughs> I mean, you, that's actually very accurate. Too. 
Think of the, uh, okay, sorry, no, never mind. It is. <laughs> <evolved>. but, um, <laughs> but there is, I mean, if the, see, the thing is, is I, I'm only talking about it from a male perspective. I wouldn't even uh, begin to approach a, a female orgasm. Just, I've never experienced one. And um, why would I tell you about your own orgasm? But um, uh, there, there are things there that you can utilize that energy. And in, in, uh, because if you use it with pornography and, um, and especially with guys, if they allow the ejaculation to actually happen, um, all that energy just goes into the toilet or goes onto the screen and stuff. And um, um, yeah, but you can actually hold yeah. into the, hold in that energy, and, and it actually shoots up into your body, kind of similar to a, a Kundalini uh, right. awakening experience. Right. Uh, exactly. So yeah. I think so. The female pelvic neural network, which is the um, neural network that's associated with female arousal and orgasm is actually uh, more like a super, super labyrinth that goes throughout the female body. So in a very real way, arousal and orgasm in the female body mediates um, functioning of her organs as well as um, psychological states. So orgasm can increase um, feelings of transcendence, of confidence, um, pleasure, connection, connectivity. Um, and like I said, the, the, the network is like a super labyrinth that goes throughout her body. Whereas for a male, the uh, male pelvic neural network is much more like a, is much more grid-like around the genital area. So I think for a male to do that kind of recycling energy, you, when you do that, you get closer to what the female orgasm feels like the, the and just so you know the the difference between ejaculating and letting your, your semen go out there right. it's like it's like ugh, you know but when you do it and you hold it in and, and yeah. you pull it up it's like you're 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 doing like 30 breaths that are like <sighs> like they're so intense and you're you're they, when you said that it, there, there's so much more going on with the the female um genitalia uh, in right. terms of like how it looks when it goes in. And then there's the, the womb, which is a, a fourth dimensional matrix pr right. pretty much. And the, the, there, there's so much more going on there that we're just like not allowed to talk about, but right. it's like, it, it's so important to um, all sorts of stuff. And it's very interesting. You know, it's so funny because I actually, you know, I've given a lot of talks and um, on health and healing and, and all that stuff. And although it's kind of taboo, one of the major things that I tell women to do is to masturbate, to, to masturbate to orgasm. And because of the overall impact it has on her uh, psychological well-being, um, yes, it feels good. And yes, it does have, uh, you know, health benefits, but it directly affects the way she feels about herself and it directly affects the way she interacts with the world. Um, so you, Anthony, you asked earlier, what are one of my regular practices and outside of movement, masturbation, <laughs> <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> you know, and I think, um, it's funny because, you know, meditation, I like right now I'm on a, I haven't meditated in probably a month or two specifically meditated. So like sat down. And, uh, you know, just taken an hour or so to, to do this meditation. But for me, I'm, a, I'm kind of a doer. Right. And so having something to do that can get me to that state of 
transcendental kind of space meditation um, works when I'm not in a space to sit and meditate. And I mean, the end result is similar, you know, through exercise, I get to that meditative space through orgasm. I get to that transcendental, uh, elevated higher self place. Um, so yes, it's silly. Yes, it's taboo, but it, it's an actual tool that one can use to get into these states. Um, for men, I think like you were saying, Justin, that it, it is, but it's not the you're not, it's not the coming part. It's the recycling of the energy part. So if you're just fucking wanking it out, then like, it's not the same thing. Um, so you have to kind of be conscious of that. And actually that's one of the things that I talk about in my book specifically for women. Um, so in terms of self-love and I imagine this could happen, this could work with, with men to a certain extent, but my audience is primarily women. Um, so Outside of childbirth and um, breastfeeding, orgasm has the largest release of oxytocin in the body. Oxytocin is the hormone related to love and bonding. So what I have uh, women do that have uh, self-perception body image issues. So that, in essence, a body image issue is a rejection of the self, right? It's a, I don't love you kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... What I have them do is orgasm. It releases oxytocin in the body. And then I have them go and sit in front of a mirror. And science has shown that when you do eye gazing, whether with a person or an animal, your body re-releases oxytocin in the body. Um, And from an evolutionary perspective, that makes sense, right? Because you want, like as a mother who has a baby, you want to have that oxytocin release because nature wants to make sure that the mother will protect, nurture, support, and bond with that child. So, um, so orgasm, huge flush of oxytocin in the body, sit in front of a mirror and mirror gaze for two to five minutes that continues to release the oxytocin in the body. But then what happens neurologically is you're, you're associating your own image with those feelings of love and bonding. And over the, yeah. And over the long term then that has a positive effect on how you see yourself. Yeah, so uh, just to put that for, uh, to give somewhat proof that that, that works for men as well as, um, I didn't do this on purpose, but there just happens to be a mirror where I uh, practice my orgasm meditation. And <laughs> I'm usually shirtless because um, uh, I, I don't turn the AC on during the day and I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, so I, I'm, I'm there and I'm, and I'm having an orgasm and I'm literally staring at myself and I'm like, I'm like, like it's such a burst of, of energy because not only am I doing, doing the, the orgasm, but also I'm looking at myself and I'm seeing my muscles flexing because it's a, it's a full body experience. And, and like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm freaking jacked and, and you have all these great um, <laughs> feelings and stuff. And it's just like, it's like, uh, it, and now it's like, I'm saying it out loud. I'm like, I'm like, now it sounds like I'm jerking off to myself, which is just <laughs> egoism. You kind of are. Yeah. But I, I'm not. It's usually my eyes are closed until, until later. <laughs> but the, the thing that, the, the problem with the pornography and, and guys in particular is that uh, they're so focused on, on the women and then uh, on the screen that when they actually have an experience to have sex with a woman, it's so different from pornography that they can't even get uh, aroused. They can't even get erections. And, um, and that was the, you know, 
the number one reason why I started getting into this stuff was like, I'm, I'm 29 years old. I shouldn't have an issue with, uh, with, with uh, having erections and directly correlated to watching pornography. It's a, it just rewires your brain so negatively. Um, yeah. And it damages so many things that, that people don't even realize. And it's, it's one of these things at this point where it's like a, um, a, where it's like, fish not realizing that there's water because you can't even do an experiment where you have men who watch porn and men who don't watch porn because um, literally the University of Michigan couldn't find enough men who didn't watch porn to do a research study on that. Right, right. That, that it's so it, it ingrained in especially young, young men that, um, that there's a major issue there. Um, yeah. But, um, but that's more on the men's side. But anyway, the, the mirror thing works and... Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. So um, actually, I, it's funny because when I tell women to do this, so they're like, "Wait, so I'm masturbating in the mirror?" And I'm like, "That's an advanced maneuver. You can just, <laughs> you can just masturbate and then mirror gaze. But if you want to do it simultaneously, I'm down." <laughs> it's, uh, I, I give it my seal of approval, also. Yeah. There's, there's no way to get better. You know, it's just like. You, you you just don't look more attractive than when when you're having an orgasm. It, it's just a, it's just a fact of science. When, when humans are orgasming, that's their best look. <laughs> so yeah, so um, it's to your point. Uh, um, exercise and masturbate. <laughs> Regular practices. <laughs> That's right. Forget the meditation because those two will put you in the meditative state. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and you know, what we were talking about before is like recognizing where you are on, on the, like on, in your stage of evolution, you know, there are sometimes meditation is, is not going to be for everyone, but yeah. there are other techniques you can use to, to simulate, to stimulate the same type of experience. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. You know, and I go through phases. There are times where I mess. <laughs> you know, I was just gonna. I was. I was thinking where I uh, meditate for hours, but what was coming out was where I masturbate for hours. <laughs> I mean, both of those statements are true. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, there are times where I can meditate for hours, and I do it regularly. And then there are times where I'm like, I just can't get into that space so i need another thing that will help me get there yeah makes sense yeah it's good to have multiple tools in the toolbox right yes in the box, <laughs> in the box. <laughs> i have multiple tools in my box <laughs> this, is, this is getting off the rails now <laughs> where i thrive exactly <laughs> So, Justin, earlier you, you were talking about there were different, like a lot, especially at the beginning of the podcast, there were a lot of topics that came up in rapid fire and you wanted to go down some of those in more detail. Is there anything, any one of those paths you want to go back and delve into? Um, yeah, I guess, um, well, yeah, I mean, let's get a little bit deeper with the, the, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system because um, this is something that I think uh, uniquely affects humans more so than any other animal because um, because we have this mind that can go in circles and um, so what happens is we have an experience that causes stress all animals experience this um, but with a human we just keep thinking about it over and over again and those thoughts 
re-expose us to the, the chemicals in our brains and um, the neurotransmitters that cause us to experience stress. And uh, whereas a deer will get chased by a wolf and then 15 minutes after being chased and, and, and escaping, it goes straight back to grazing. Whereas a human, they have a traumatic experience and that could just be with them for years. And, uh, and to live in a stressful experience, uh, uh, in a stressful state for an extended period of time is basically what is the, uh, one of the root causes of, of your termination is at the end of your, uh, is killing you pretty much. Um, so if you want to talk about that in any capacity. Yeah, so there's a, <clears throat> to your point about the deer, I forget the name of the therapy, but um, uh, I, I think it was a therapist who observed in nature when a, because um, he was kind of looking also at how humans deal with stress versus how animals deal with stress. And one of the things that he noticed with animals is that as soon as they escape from whatever stressful situation um, they were in, you'll notice that they'll kind of shiver. And he said that that shivering was a way to kind of release that stressful situation and then allow the parasympathetic nervous system to turn on and they're back to grazing. So the therapy that he created was based off of that idea was how to um, simulate that same shaking and releasing the stress from the body. I've personally never practiced it, but it makes sense to me um, that it could work because after all we are, we are animals. Um, a lot of my research and experience, personal experience as well as professional experience has been with people who have had, um, traumatic, uh, abusive childhood situations. And yeah, when you have those experiences, what I was saying earlier, when you have those experiences during developmental times of your life, that those experiences are directly shaping your nervous system and your nervous system then directly shapes your, all your thoughts, feelings, and actions going forward. Um, and we typically get stuck because those neural pathways are so um, well-formed, we get stuck in those thinking, feeling, and perceiving patterns. Um, the best methods for releasing that tension are the non-talk related um, uh, therapies. So talk therapy works, um, you know, it's like um, psychotherapy and stuff like that. that. That works only to a certain level because again, talk therapy is accessing only the conscious part of the brain. The conscious, oh, this is an interesting stat. Um, the conscious mind can process up to 40 bits of information in one second, 40 bits. The subconscious mind can process up to 20 million bits in the same amount of time. So your subconscious mind is taking in processing and storing a lot more information than your, your conscious mind is. So if you can think of the developmental part of your life where you're where your conscious mind is not fully developed, all of that, all of those signals and experiences are getting, are forming your subconscious mind, which again is, is uh, controlling 90, 95% of your thoughts, feelings, and actions. With talk therapy, you could only access the conscious part of the brain. So you're, you're not gonna get that deep if you only do talk therapy. If you practice other types of therapy, movement therapy, art therapy, music therapy, dance therapy, um, medicine journey, 
um, ecstatic experience like uh, orgasmic meditation, being in nature, these types of therapies can access the subconscious mind um, and start releasing that stress. And it allows your body, brain, self to turn off the sympathetic nervous system, the stress response, and turn on the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest, and, and helps you to heal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, go, it, 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 dipped, it leads into um, going back to the subconscious mind and, and, um, and uh, the reprogramming, because uh, from my experience, it, it, it's like 80 to 90% of the work that goes into this stuff is, is deprogramming, is, is, is going in there and, uh, and actually just removing all the, the filth that, that gets in there from, from basically our, our society. And um, uh, is, that, is that similar with, with your experience? Am I, am I on track with that? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we, we get uploaded, I mean, before we're even born, right? So, like, we're getting, we're picking up shit from our, from our ancestors. Like, for example, my, my grandparents were in the Holocaust, and that specifically affected the way that um, my father was raised, which specifically affected the way that I was raised. So even though, you know, my grandparents died, both of them, before I was 12 or 13, to this day, I'm still, I'm still playing out some of their shit. Um, yeah in a very like real way, but also epigenetically, like the, the, the experiences that they had affected their um, DNA, which then got passed to my father, which then got passed to me. Um, so yes, so, so we are all like, we all come into creation already with baggage that we have to cancel, clear, delete. And um, I think that's probably at a fundamental level, our journey in healing and our journey on this earth plane. Cool. Yeah. So uh, once you do do the the clearing, um, it, do you have any mechanisms by which to protect yourself from? Because there's there's just no way if you work online that you're you're going to see nine thousand ads and of those uh, per day and, and of those ads, ninety nine percent of them are designed to make you feel shitty about yourself. Um, and so, do you have any defense mechanisms towards that, protecting yourself from that, or do you just have to re-go in there and, and re-scoop out what, what goes, what trips in there into the, your subconscious? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the basic, it, it's nothing, no, no, no crazy practices outside of the stuff that I kind of mentioned, like meditating, breathing, uh, going outside, connecting with the earth, connecting with your friends. Um, these practices, they're so, so, so simple but they have the capacity to, when done regularly, keep the brain, uh, keep the brain plastic, but also kind of keep pruning back those neural pathways that are associated with all of the bullshit, and then create new neural pathways that are associated with more positive, you know, divine selves, the divine selves we want to be. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, basic, I mean, uh, Anthony, I know you, you practice a lot of like magical wizard stuff, <laughs> yeah, which is great. <laughs> you I got my have, wizard cape. Yeah. yeah, your wizard cape. I mean, all of these things, I, I really think also it depends on what you believe. Um, I have certain beliefs that if I tell if I tell people, like they'll probably think I'm a fucking fruity nutcake, which I totally am. 
but yeah, every, <laughs> but. <laughs> every, every cool conversation where you're talking with somebody who doesn't know what, what you know, um, and you're about to talk about spirituality, they go, yeah, I don't usually tell people this, or, <laughs> this. <laughs> or you know, this is going to sound really crazy, but, uh, let me, let me tell you about these aliens that I met. <laughs> right. um, no aliens. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, so, so those are some basic spiritual, you know, or whatever, they're not even necessarily spiritual practices, but those are basic practices that one can, can, uh, can practice to, you know, release all the, the bullshit that you pick up throughout right. the day. And I think, again, most people can wrap their head around that. You don't have to believe in aliens. You don't have to believe in universal consciousness. You don't have to believe in divine anything. But you could say, all right, meditation is going to help to release the um, bullshit that I saw today or the, the boss that I had to have an argument with. Like, that's a very real, real physiological thing that happens. Right. A very immediate need. Right? Exactly. And, and like you're stressed, do this. Do you think given the feedback mechanism that humans have and how modern society is kind of engineered and constructed, do you think that uh, the majority of people live in a constant state of stress or close to it? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's stress at work, it's stress at home, it's stress, right. On, I mean, like, like you were saying, Justin, like all of media is designed where we live in a consumer based uh, culture. So all, everything is designed towards you're not enough by this and you will be enough. And so the, the natural reaction to I'm not enough is now I'm going to be stressed to some level because I'm missing this or that. I'm not whole. I'm not complete. Um, so like everything in society is geared towards making us stressed. So, yeah, that, that's actually one of the interesting things in terms of being a spiritual teacher and something that, it, that as I'm getting into it is something that I have to grapple with because it's like, it's the complete opposite in term, terms of advertising because, you know, I'll add say you're not enough buy this product and the girl will love you and stuff. Whereas when you go into a spiritual coaching and stuff, you, you say you are enough now buy this product and, um, and you know, it, it's, there's kind of a, a disconnect there where it has to be done, you know, it, it, these, these people need to make money and stuff. Um, like you can't just give out all this information for free and, and expect to uh, survive in the society that we exist in. It, um, do you kind of, it, is that something that you experience at all um, in, in terms of, of having an, an issue with, um, um, I guess, sales and in terms of spirituality and being a whole, a complete person already before even purchasing the product? Um, does that make sense at all? Wait, so yeah, repeat the question. So let me see, let me formulate these thoughts a little bit better. Um, I guess I, I see a lot of people um, who are just getting out in the spiritual, um, uh, the spiritual industrial complex, if you will, and, um, and uh, they're, they're having trouble grappling with the fact that they know that the person that, that they're reaching out to can experience what, what they're, what they're, selling themselves but they still have to get them to um kind of buy in and you really can't it i think it's beneath a lot of people to to use the the sales and marketing tactics of um somebody trying to make you buy a car or something as opposed to um buying into a lifestyle of non-consumerism for example mm -hmm. and and stuff it, it, are you having any issues on that front or, or how you um kind yeah. of transcend that issue 
So I think as you were talking, I think the thing that came to my mind was, so, so the book I'm reading, uh, the book I'm writing rather, Love Yourself Naked, The Science Behind Self-Perception, Spirituality, and Weight Loss. The idea behind that is that, because in the end, you will, you will lose weight if you follow the instructions in the book. So if you look at it from that perspective, you could say, I'm selling something that is saying, you're not enough. But I'm not actually saying that. What I'm saying is you are enough. And by believing that you are enough, that's a much better place to start to be the kind of foundation of change. So you are enough. And now what do you want to work on rather than you're an asshole. So change so that you are enough. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So yeah. my, my whole idea is love yourself before you let's work on the foundation of it let's work on the love yourself first and then all the other things will fall into place rather than you suck you're overweight and you can only love yourself when you get to x size or weight um and even with my product my kind of my tagline is um love yourself from the inside out so again it's not i'm not trying to sell it as take this to lose weight. It's like, no, this is the way, this is another way that you can show yourself love. So I think that, um, I think that it's a different perspective and I do see some other brands and people out there doing that. Um, and I think that, I think that all of society or at least the bubble that I'm in is kind of gearing more towards that and leaning more towards that of like self-acceptance, self-love and from that platform making change rather than the um, deficient, um, you know, I'm not enough kind of platform. But I think the majority of uh, media is still in the old paradigm of um, consumerism and, and you're not enough kind of mentality. Um, so I don't know if that, if that answers your question. Um, it, yeah, no, it, it answered. It's just good to to get insight in terms of that. I, I just I, I feel like um, uh, the the industry itself they 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 it's hard to get in into in terms of because um, um, you you want to just give all this information out for free, but it's like you're still in the society. Like you still need to make money, and, and I feel like I've seen a lot of people just grappling with that issue, and a lot of people just giving out some amazing information for free, whereas. I would gladly pay for this for this information. Um, like, why didn't you? They like, I one of one of my my mentors is is, is an, an anarchist and um and his stuff is so good, but and it's like hundreds of hours of information and he just gives it out for free and 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 this what that means to him is that then he has to work a job that he doesn't believe in to survive, mm. and then it takes him away from his work and. Um, it, it, it just slows down the process of, of this very intelligent individual um, and, um, and which in turn slows down the process of everyone's work because then he can't teach as many people. Um, yeah. And it's something that I always like to pick people's brains, brains about who, um, especially people who are, are successful in this industry because it is something that um, people just starting out have to grapple with. Yeah, I mean, I always, I completely believe in uh, energy exchange. So if, whether that's in the form of like you paying me for my information or my service or us exchanging something else, I believe that, um, I personally believe that 
what I have to offer is of value. And um, so I have no, I have no problem charging people (laughs) because (laughs) yeah, well, because it's taken me, you know, what it's taken me my whole entire life to get to where I am. And that, that's, that's worth something. Um, So, so I don't have, I don't have that issue, but again, for me, it's not the, I, I don't, I try not to, uh, I don't want to make anyone feel bad in order to buy my product. I'd rather make them feel good and make them want to buy my product. So that's mm. the, my, my kind of approach to it. And also pay me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, the, the value thing is a big, big deal because, um, um, it, when you get this information for free, especially the, the guy that I'm talking about, his name's Mark Passio. And, um, um, you go on his website and, and his website's complete trash, but it's hundreds of hours of, of amazing information. And, and um, um, you, can, I, you can see that when the information's free or when it's cheaper than it should be, people don't value the actual information itself. Exactly. And then they don't actually look into it. And exactly. um, uh, so that, that's another thing too. Yeah. Guys, can I pause you for one sec? My computer's gonna die. Can I just run and get the charger? Sure. You yes. guys talk amongst yourselves. Right. <laughs> so, Justin, what other areas when um, do you want to go down when Stacy gets back? Um, up to you. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I've hit a, a bunch of things. Okay. Um, you got the the list of questions in front of you and stuff. And yeah, I mean, um, I was going to go into more about uh, well, we, she had, we haven't talked about her podcast, Naked. Um, and oh, right, yeah. that has to do with a lot of body image. So I want to go into that and then, um, you know, kind of end up with talking about like her vision for humanity. Cause we talk, I talked to her about this earlier and she has a very unique and humorous vision. I hope she actually verbalized it in the same manner that, uh, we did earlier today. Did you hear that? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> So okay, the first thing we'd like to talk about is uh, um, your podcast, Naked. Yep. And, and a lot of it is around body image for women, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, uh, which is desperately needed in society. I mean, uh, men need it too because men have the same fears and, and self-loathing that women do. But the marketing machines seems to be geared towards women, making women feel bad, right? Right. Which is, which is, when you think about it, it's heinous. Like, it's a heinous strategy that puts us in a constant state of stress, right? And when you think about that, that that's almost like equivalent to a war crime. I mean, that's horrific, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you're trying to battle that constant negative self-image that's directed towards women. Which is, yeah. you know, the more I think about it and speaking out loud, the more admirable, you know, that is. Like, t- t- tell us how that's going. So, well, thank you, first of all. So, um, the podcast is called A Naked Podcast, and the kind of tagline is um, uh, Women, our bodies, our truths, and other. No, our bodies, our minds, and other truths laid bare. Um, so, uh, Anthony, what you were just talking about, about like men and women having different, like we have similar stresses and stuff like that. I think if you look at us 
historically women have been valued for what they look like their procreative abilities and sometimes for political alignment between families Um, a majority of that was strictly based off of their physical appearance whereas men typically are valued for what they can offer their their um, breadwinning abilities their protection and um, their kind of yeah like financial support Um, so I think Although we do have stresses um, and we feel stresses similarly, I think that what we are stressed by is different. Um, And no matter how much a woman can say to herself, I am more than what I look like, society is saying you are what you look like. Um, So if you don't fit into this ideal, then you are not enough. And then, of course, as we were talking about before, if you're not enough, that just creates this ongoing internal stress cycle that doesn't help anyone. Um, So the whole idea with The Naked Podcast is to help women to redefine femininity and womanhood in our own vision, outside of the male gaze, outside of society's gaze, outside of anyone's input, outside of religious input or familial input, just in our own image. So what is, what is strong look like to me? Right. What does sexy look like to me? And once I can access those for myself, then that changes everything about the way I interact with myself and the world and my job and my family and, and everything else. Um, and then I could call bullshit on the bullshit, you know, because if I'm in, if I'm still stuck in the bullshit, then I don't even recognize the bullshit. Like Justin, what you were saying before, fish doesn't know what's in water. If you don't recognize that it's bullshit, you're just stuck in it. You have no idea. So um, it's kind of our goal with the podcast to help women to shift their shift their perspective or maybe re reclaim their perspective on themselves and redefine themselves. Um, and again, it's not just about like what they look like, although a lot of the kind of bullshit is around that, but, um, also what they're capable of and their, their place in the world. Um, I think, I mean, I think that women are, women are these beautiful, profound, strong, beings and we are made to feel less than that and and we're not and i think you know kind of going back to what i was talking about before with my non-socialization <laughs> um that i think i never got socialized out of that which you know for for you know however fucked up life was back then like i never didn't believe that about myself i never didn't believe that i i'm i'm a divine fucking person and I think that when you pile on all this bullshit about what do I look like and is this person going to like me and how does my hair look, it takes up so much bandwidth and you stop believing that, you stop knowing yeah. that. Um, so it's my, it's my kind of goal with the podcast and also just with everything else that I'm doing to like get, get people to that point of that divine belief in themselves that that you know i say the i i the word that always comes to mind is like this invincibility and that's not to say that shit doesn't happen to you Mm. it's the feeling that shit's gonna happen but it doesn't fucking matter because i'm gonna keep going and i'm still gonna make it happen 
Um, and I think that's, that's really my, my goal in life is to get those people that I work with or that are somehow in the world, really. <laughs> I mean, if I could reach the world, that would be great um, to feel that, that powerful. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, um, so um, explain to uh, a man like myself, and let me explain this uh, a, briefly. Um, I never understood how women could not see themselves as divine. You have in the Bible and all these books, the, they always call God the creator, and the creator can create things. And I always just found it fascinating um, how little uh, generally women think of themselves when in fact it's like you, you, your body can literally create life. And it's like um, uh, the, the, the idea of that as a man to just be unable to do that. And, and it's like where, where I, I mess a lot around a lot with linguistics. And I think that that's where, why we call women women because uh, they're, they're, they're like a man except they can make a freaking baby. So it's like, whoa, like that's, whoa, that's amazing. Whoa, man. And then it just makes womb also. Um, and it, so it's like, a, it, it just, it fascinates me that, that, um, that you have that super ability. And, and if you ever wanted to look at a, a difference like this, this I can do anything that you can do, but, uh, but better and men and women, men, men versus women. Um, it always stunned me that, that women would, would get involved in that kind of argument when there is literally one thing that a man can never do that a woman can do. And, it, and it's not, not putting men down or anything. It's just, it's just a, a, a scientific fact. And um, um, I guess uh, getting into that kind of um, aspect, I, I really haven't formulated a question. I guess I'm, I'm just trying to say like, um, like how, how did it get so rough for women uh, over, the, over the past centuries and stuff? Like, um, yeah, so I think, I mean. Because they were definitely worshiped thousands of years ago. The, the, the yeah. deities were feminine and then um i think i think if you look at it probably historically um i think probably when the like agricultural revolution happened now when, why i say this is because it was when people began to own plots of land that it became important for um, it, when they owned plots of land and therefore could pass down their land to their um, offspring, that it became very important for the man to know that the, the child that his wife was having was his. And so I think, I mean, it, it probably is before that, but that's, that's kind of what popped into my head, this idea that when when men had to ensure that those children were his offspring, then he had to change the uh, quote unquote position of women in society, right? So then he had to control who she was in order to ensure that that was his child. Um, so I think that's probably one point where her role, the female role became different, I think. Um, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not Christian, um, so I don't, I mean, I haven't read the Bible, but I imagine 
the Bible says a lot of kind of fucked up shit. It might say great shit about women too, but I'm sure it says some fucked up shit about women as well. Um, well, it, I, it, 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 the, only, the only issue with the Bible uh, when it comes to women really is that um, they took out um, the Gospel of Mary, but uh, thanks to the Nag Hammadi text, you can read that. So you actually get the, the divine feminine back into, yeah. um, into Christianity, even though they desperately tried to remove it. And that, yeah. that was, that's just a mind control thing though. Yeah. And I think, you know, just in, in terms of society, I get, you know, again, it's like when you're indoctrinated to believe that your value is based off of what you look like and you don't look like this particular type, then um, it's easy to forget your divinity. It's easy to believe that you're not enough because everything is pointing to you not being enough. That's how kind of society is, is uh, geared. Um, and I, I think, uh, so Justin mentioned, Christianity had a lot to do with it because um, they really, with intent, minimized the power of the feminine, right? Yeah. In so many different ways. And that's, that, that's been ingrained for at least 2,000 two years, right? So I can at least point to them as the one major contributor to uh, lessening the lessening the admiration we should all have for the, for the feminine, right? Yeah. Um, they definitely played a role in that. And I think, you know, on a, on a kind of more spiritual level also, like I think that the power of feminine energy, I mean, even like I said, the fe female orgasm, like the clit is the only organ in the entire human body whose sole purpose is for pleasure. Um, so if you take that in the context of evolution, like why would women have only the only organ whose only purpose is pleasure? That's a scary thought. Like, I think that could be very intimidating for certain people. Like I have this organ and it, it creates this um, absolute pleasure in me. And then that power is, could be fucking intimidating. I never so, thought about that. Yeah. And I think that, I think that there are a lot of guys, I mean, I've dated guys who uh, were intimidated if I used a vibrator and I was like, <laughs> like, this, you know, what are you talking about? So I think, <laughs> I think the feminine energy, like feminine orgasm, feminine creation, I think that that could be intimidating to a lot of people. Um, Right. So, it's, uh, it's like a, it's like when, when you have a, a, a masculine, a, it's sort of like they're, they're in a, a state of scarcity, whereas uh, the, the feminine, um, uh, uh, the divine femininity is, is more of a state of abundance. And, and the, the idea of um, this abundance kind of puts, uh, puts the, puts people, makes people, men uncomfortable, I guess. Yeah, know? yeah. It makes men uncomfortable. And it's also, you know, it's an interesting thing too, because so um, between only between 11 and 20% of women um, orgasm through vaginal penetration, um, right. which means that most of the time women will be orgasming on their own or without penis involved. Without penis involved. Which means basically the majority of the time 
women are, are experiencing orgasm without man. So can you imagine what an ego kind of ego deflate it is for a man to be like, I can't, I can't bring, like she will bring herself to orgasm more often and probably more fully than I ever will. So I think that could to me see to me that's a, a relieving experience. That's like that's like I that's one thing I don't have to worry about. <laughs> Check that one off my list. <laughs> cool. I don't I don't have to locate this, this ultimate pleasure center myself. She knows where it is. Don't worry, baby. I'll take care of this. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's that's the kind of that's the kind of woman that I'm looking for. <laughs> So anyway, I, I think that that could also, you know, just that that power could be very, it's kind of like a, I don't need you to do this kind of thing. Right. Um, and I think that could be a bit imita it, in, imitating. What's the word I'm looking for? Intimidating. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the times you laughed at my lack of English skills. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's very important for a man to um, be good at oral sex. Yes, that's also why it's very important for a female to communicate to her partner what she likes. Though. Oh my God! Yeah, geez, that that's like um, that's like a minefield because it's like it's like just you, you know it's not like you it, it when when you're experiencing sex with the same woman for a few times, which is more rare in, for people my age than, than it has been in a, in a very long time. Um, and you're, you're trying to communicate what you both want. And it, it's, since it's such a, a, a taboo subject, it's hard for, for people to actually articulate that in, in words. And um, um, I guess, uh, like, how would, how would you go about that now? Like we're kind of talking about relationships now. I kind of jumped a, a little bit. But, um, like, how would, how would you communicate that, um, that sort of telling uh, talking about this stuff with a partner it goes like this not there baby there <laughs> <laughs> it's actually basically pretty simple no <laughs> if i look at it actually though i mean i think there's a there's a quote by i forget i forget who said the quote but um the the quote is that men are scared women will laugh at them and women are scared that men will kill them kill them. And so I think when we look in the context of that, and I think that's pretty accurate, right? Uh, I think when we look at the context of that, often a woman is hesitant to communicate something because there's always that, th that threat of, of harm or death or something like that. So I think that Although I joke around and say women have to speak up and they, they absolutely do. But I think also it's a kind of two way street where the men in the scenario have to create a space where the woman feels safe enough to have that conversation. Um, and I think like what you were saying, where it's kind of really easy to hook up now and it's rare to have, you know, some sort of long, long, it's more common to have kind of short-term sexual interactions than it had been previously. I think <clears throat> getting to a place of feeling comfortable enough to express this stuff with your partner um, or a temporary partner anyway, uh, 
it may not happen right away. So if you're not putting in the time to create that comfortable space to have that clear communication, then um, you might not ever get to that place. But I think that as the woman, if your goal is in these encounters, sexual satisfaction and orgasm, then you have to um, either be very, pick your partners properly, which doesn't always happen, um, or just fucking speak up and, and say like, this is what I like, this is how you have to touch me. If you don't do that, I'll probably not come. And on the other end of that is, if I don't come, it doesn't have anything to do with your masculinity. It's just like, you're not touching me in the way that brings me to orgasm. The, you, you just said something that, that kind of piqued my interest. Um, you, you said, if the woman's goal is to have uh, is, is to have sexual gratification after that orgasm. Um, is that, that implying that that women sometimes don't? It, that's not their goal for with sex. Um, because uh, for a man, that is uh, that wouldn't be something that you would say if that is why a man would be having sex. Yeah. So I think for a woman, uh, a lot of times she um, there are other components to it. I think that that through sex, she creates uh, the appearance of more intimacy. I think that often women use sex, and I was in that boat at one time where I used sex as, as sex translated to me as a receiving of love, even though it wasn't necessarily a receiving of love. So mm -hmm. I used it as a tool to feel and experience something that I, that wasn't actually true, but that I needed. Um, I think that um, sometimes women feel pressured into doing it. Sometimes they have sex because their partner wants to have sex and they don't want to disappoint them or they don't, you know, I mean, like it's a little personal, but there was a guy that I dated a long time ago and he would, uh, he would say, let's have sex. And like, sometimes he would wake me up in the middle of the night, let's have sex. And I'd be like, I'm, I don't want to have sex. And he'd be like, what's up with that ass then? And I'm like, that's sex. What are you talking about? Like, why are you asking me for anal sex when I just said I don't want to have sex with you? Um, but again, it's like this weird, like, and then of course, sometimes I would give in just because it's just like, it's just, all right, fine. Like, you just don't want to be pestered anymore. <laughs> fine put it in get it over with i'm done thank you <laughs> so i think you know it kind of goes back to you know i was much so happy. romantic by the way so romantic, <laughs> right um i think and especially like younger women i think they've not they have not found their voice yet like if if that same scenario would have happened to me now then it i mean i was 16 at that time so i didn't you know have much of a voice um at all so like now i'd be like uh no or like you know warm me up or something <laughs> you know <laughs> like I, my approach would be different now is what i'm saying um so i think there are a lot of women who have not yet found their sh their voice or their strength or even their self-understanding and so then that then they perhaps get into situ situations or scenarios where um, sexual satisfaction is not the goal and orgasm is not the goal. It's just the like, I don't want to have this argument anymore. It's the goal kind of thing. Right. You know what I mean? 
yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting yeah yeah that is very interesting it's really interesting to like to get women's perspective on things because a lot of times they, they are quite different yeah. um but when, when when you hear them you go oh but that makes a lot of sense but unless you oh know the, i've done that before <laughs> right I, was, I wasn't going down that road but I'm, <laughs> <You are>? <laughs> <laughs> that's right it sounds familiar okay. <laughs> three o'clock in the morning <laughs> so justin it seems like people your age right now uh no no one's looking for real intimacy is that what you're finding i don't think they know uh what, what, what real is. intimacy is yeah um because like like um like you said you know um um you, you thought that you were getting more intimate with someone by having sex with them it, whereas um from something that i've learned through this orgasm training or whatever you want to call it is is that um um it's almost like with men that when you ejaculate um with a woman it, it's uh and daniel touched it the best but he has, he has a joke about it but um it's like you almost like the woman a little bit less um and and it, it sounds like it, it sounds ridiculous but it's like um it's just being totally honest about it and what daniel Tosh says is that um you never love a woman more than um, the first time you um, ejaculate onto their tits. And then uh, every ejaculation from then on is a little bit worse because it's with the same woman. It's, it's right. it gets uh, more monotonous. It's not novel. Um, he says it a lot funnier uh, anyway, but um, <laughs> than me, but um, um, uh, it is something that, that, it, um, that you, you realize that the, the, the sex is, not the focal point of the relationship it's like you you you're trying to build something much bigger than than just having sex with somebody and um that, that's something that like if i talk to guys about that they they freaking roll their eyes at me and, uh, and call me a feminist and stuff and um and or uh, and say it in a very derogatory way it's not like like oh you're you're just a feminist no it's that um they're, they're trying to insult me and stuff and and to the point where I, I i've gotten to the point where i can't really have a conversation with them about their uh girlfriends because they're just complaining about them calling her crazy and stuff and then when i explain the the perspective um a they they don't even want to hear it they're, they're just kind of just blowing off steam and stuff and um and then they just break up with them and, and you meet a new person and it, it's just after doing it especially in vegas it, it just became so meaningless it was like um like well why am i even like doing this why it, it, you're, you there's things that you say on, on a first date that are that are just lies and it's like um and sometimes you're just saying you, you don't even know why you're saying it and stuff and uh you, you just go through the motions of it and um um it, i i don't know i i i don't know i'm pretty much talking myself into a corner here but um um it, it's just it's just something that, that that's kind of it, it's lost in um on my generation in particular um and I, I think it has to do with us being every advertisement has a, a half naked girl on them and stuff and uh you just think about sex all the time, but um, it's just a, a weird, a really weird uh, uh, perspective on, on relationships and stuff. I and mean, it's just not taken seriously. Um, yeah. I mean, then you guys also have like all the dating apps and stuff like that. And I'm like, if, if I, yeah. if and I can I had, destroy on those, it's like, it, it's crazy. I mean, I would <laughs> have gotten in so much fucking trouble if Tinder was around when I was like, <laughs> 
Yeah. Woo! <laughs> that I, was younger. <laughs> I can tell you, I've I've gotten in a lot of trouble with that app, and it, <laughs> yeah. it is, especially uh, in New York City. It's I I actually lived in New York City for thirty days, um, um, just with Tinder, and I would just go from girl to girl and, and live in their house uh, for a night, and we didn't always have sex and stuff, but it was just like that option is there for you if you can communicate to people, and right. it, it, it's insane and. And some of those situations were not, I wasn't staying at, at some nice penthouse, like suite, you know, yeah, I was staying, yeah. just staying in some dingy areas and stuff, but it, it's, uh, it's just crazy, the, 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 the Tinder. The Tinder dating scenario. It's insane. Actually, the only time I was on Tinder, I went to Kuwait and I was uh, with my friend Aziz. So we both went on Tinder and we matched each other. <laughs> 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 but then I quickly got kicked off of Tinder. Within an hour, I got kicked off of Kuwaiti Tinder for being uh, inappropriate. Inappropriate? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to send, send us the picture that made I'll send you the pictures. Picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember just when we were in Atlanta not too long ago, every time I tried to talk to you, looked over at you, you were going through your Tinder pages. Yeah, because uh, I live in a small city, and now I, I put myself in an even smaller. I live on an island, and uh, you go into those big cities, and it's just like match, 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 match. And the thing is, is I talked to that with a, a girl, and girls are like, yeah, that's how it is. But with guys, uh, most of them get maybe one match every other day when they're, if they're focused on it. And um, yeah. it, it's just totally different. Online dating is, is night and day for the woman compared to the man. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like that in real life too, right? Woman, That's true. A woman can go walk down the street and pick up basically whoever she wants to pick up. Um, Very true. Yeah. yeah. It's just you, you see so many like humans. Yeah. 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 That's a superpower. Vagina power. With great vagina comes great responsibility. So, what is your vision for the world? <laughs> speaking of vagina. What is it? Speaking of vagina. Well, my. I think I said it earlier, outside of the whole uh, vagina thing. I want, I, every I, I want every woman to masturbate. That's what I want. Regularly, consistently, and uh, I want her to blow her own mind. Um, metaphorically, but also in real life. Um, no, I think my, my goal for the world is... Um, I want everyone to... or as much as they can, I'd like to get everyone to feel that sense of invincibility that I was talking about before. Um, whether you want to call that divinity or badassness or <laughs> fucking whatever you want to call it. I think that I know what it's called. It's called big dick energy, right? And you don't have to be a man to have big dick energy. It's just this energy that you carry with you. It's like, you know, you're, if you're swinging a big dick, you have this powerful energy, right? Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> like you're just kind of cool. You, nothing's a problem because you know what you got. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's what I want everyone to, to feel that that kind of 
BDE, the big dick energy. And again, you don't have to have a big dick to feel this energy. You don't have to be a man to feel this energy. Maybe we call it big pussy energy. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But like that feeling of like, what world? Bring it and we can do this thing. Um, so that's kind of, uh, that's my goal for myself and for um, whoever is in my realm and who I can touch. In, in a sexual way. <laughs> Let me touch you, young boy. <laughs> that is my goal. And I rest my case. That's a, that's a beautiful goal. Is it? It is. I mean, people, you know, I, I've said before that I really fear, fear for the future of humanity. There's a lot of fucked up things going on. Uh, out in the world right now. And the world, from a lot of different perspectives, is physically dying. We're on the way there, right? Especially when you see what happens to the oceans and in the environment in general. And the only way I see uh, us getting out of this is that each individual becomes the, their own warrior, their own source of, of authority, right? Which is right. what you're talking about. I mean, that's the only salvation i can see for the world right so people like you um that have the passion and the knowledge and uh you know that that bronx attitude it's like i'm gonna fucking do it uh the world needs people like that to teach other people that right yeah so uh so that's one of the reasons i really were, was looking forward to this talk and um yeah. and i've had a great time on this talk i've yeah, learned a lot too which is which is we we do this uh podcast for selfish reasons too, because we want to learn and have fun. And, yeah. uh, and you really brought home the ticket of this time, man. It was awesome. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could leave your listeners with two things, it's BDE or B BPE, depending on your perspective on that, big pussy energy, big dick energy. But also, but also it's okay to have a breakdown. And like, yeah. let that happen, and then go back to BDE. Right. N not only it's okay, it'll fucking happen. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll happen. It'll happen. Expect it and just like work through it. And actually, I think one of the things too is like you were saying, expect it. If you build into your process moments of breakdown, then, then it, they don't become as devastating because it, they don't blindside you. So if you know, right. all right, there's going to be out of six months, there's probably going to be two, maybe three breakdowns. Then you know it's coming when it happens and you're like, all right, I'm here. I'll feel it. And then I'll get out of it instead of being like, oh, fuck, what's happening? You know, right. Right. So the, the, build it in, build it into your trajectory. Right. You don't want to think, oh, fuck, I'm a loser. Look what happened to me. It's like, oh, right. fuck, I was expecting this. I'm ready for it. Right. Taking you on. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be gender specific. <laughs> I will. I will be. <laughs> you in your front hall. <laughs> I saw that. That was uh, interesting. Did you see that article? Yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's it's getting it's getting interesting out there. It's getting it's, crazy out there. It's a uh, yeah. Just so everyone knows, I have a pussy. It's not a front hall. Okay. <laughs> Personally, I was a little uh, upset because when I was a kid and I first saw a, a six-year-old, seven-year-old, and I saw um, a girl's vagina for the first time, it was, it was another seven-year-old, and I thought it was called a front butt. 
It makes more sense than a front hole because it looks like a, a front butt. It looks like a little front butt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I like it. Front butt. Front butt. <laughs> you can work that into the podcast. Yeah, right. New words I've learned. <laughs> awesome, Steve Suburban. It's a, such a pleasure to have you on uh, The Spiritual Hustle. Thank you, guys. It's Thank been you. a pleasure. And uh, when my book comes out, I'm going to be on again. So there. We're looking forward to it. And can we get free copies? Of course you can. Awesome. But I take uh, free, no monetary payment, but I take payment in hand jobs. All right. Okay. We can work that. All right. <laughs> do, we, All right. Do, we, do we give, wait, do we give you the hand job or, or do yeah, you give us you, No, you give me the hand job. Okay. <laughs> I'm giving a nice you try, Justin. That was I'm nice giving try. you something, you give me something. See how that works? <laughs> well, my, my big take en energy is, uh, is it's a gift to let somebody give me a hand job. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> I think Justin's saying he's he gladly give you back the book for the handjob. Oh, got it. Okay, read it. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. Guys. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Great. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.